Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I am just one of your hosts. My name is Alex Cross, and I'm alongside the incredible, the edible... Casey Clap. Mm -hmm. And you know what I taste like? You know those uh, animal crackers that are like frosted? Oh, wow. I taste like the pink ones. That's amazing. Yeah, they're delicious. What are those called? Mother's animal crackers? Yes, I just had some. And actually, now that you say it, this uh, this solves the question. Uh, We had some on our hiking trip this last weekend. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, it was noted they kind of taste a little, uh, taste a little different. And I was like, eh, they taste, they seem like they taste pretty good. Uh-huh. The brand we got was Franz. Oh uh-huh. boy. Huh. You had, uh, was it Franz as in Franz? Yeah. Franz? The, yeah. The bakery just down the street here. Yeah. Thanks for giving that context. Yeah. What a fool. You know, when I was a kid, it's a, it's a cursive Z on Franz. I always thought it was Frang bread with a G at the end. Oh, yeah. That cursive Z is a tricky one. I think we should update it. Yeah, I think we really should. Who writes in cursive anymore? Uh, not me, but I know some people who do. Yeah. I don't mean I don't mean to be contrarian. That's fair. I think my grandma does still, and it's a nice form of writing. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, don't pick that pen up. Um. Hi, Case. Alex. Good after day. Good after day to you. Thank you very much. Here we are in the late evening recording this mm-hmm. episode of Completely Arbitrary. It was a gorgeous day. The sun is now waning. It is waning. I think actually it's cooler today than it was previously, but it's been getting like like there's I don't know if anyone knows this if you. You are, I'm sure you do. Mm. Uh, here in Oregon, especially the western side, we get like this uh, a marine layer of clouds that just like hang around all morning until like 11 or 12, yeah. and then they whoosh, move I, away. I quite like it like that. It's the best, yeah. Yeah, because I have my morning coffee. I get my work done. Bas- mm. I get basically all my work for the day done before like 1 o'clock. Yeah, that's pretty I, impressive. I just jam. Yeah, wow. I'm a multitasking maniac. Gosh, I got to try that. I got to get up <laughs> earlier. <laughs> it helps if, I mean, you have to drive all over the place. It helps if you yeah, just have true. like a list and a computer and you go. Mm, yeah, I need to start doing that. I'm, I'm learning the art of list making. Casey, we have an awesome tree to talk about today. I would say it's true. an incredibly, a highly requested tree from mm. our fungal associates. Yeah, it's a, it's a requested tree for everybody. I bet if I was in our, uh, you okay? Yeah, I was trying to, I said requested tree, but it felt like I didn't ever open my mouth. So it was like, rrr, rrr, rrr. Oh, I see. But then I, I don't know if it sounded like that. I don't think it did. I think you passed. Yeah. Requested tree. There we go. The arsonist has oddly shaped feet. <laughs> I think if you went into our email inbox and typed the words of the name of the tree today, We'd probably get 20 to 25 wow. uh, people requesting so this many. tree. 
Well, um, here you go. Here we go with the. It's so cool. I've never tried to quake before. Yeah, well, you were doing a good job. You, you were, you were, you were quaking in your shoes. Yes, we are talking quaking aspen populus yes. tremuloides. Tremuloides, the trembling oides aspen. There you go. Is it maybe? Oh, trem, trem from tremble. What? Yeah, tremble. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. exactly what it means. Yeah, tremuloides means that it's it's uh, oides usually means like leaves. So if it has like elmoides, then it's like elm like leaves a lot of times. Okay. Yeah. So in this case, yeah, it's just saying that it's it has trembly leaves. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. So it's the trembling leafed poplar. I would also make a pitch for maybe populus. Populus. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I said wait. populus. Oh, with a y. Oh yeah, populous. I, it's everyone that I know of always says it's populous. So well, we I mean, we're, that. we're probably taking that from popular, right? Yes, correct. Uh, populous, but you would say popular. I don't know. We can, yeah, we get rid of that you. The second you populous poplar. Yeah, because it's in the it's a poplar. Uh, populous is the genus for poplar trees sure. and the and the like. Okay, like cottonwoods and uh, yeah, aspen, big tooth aspen, populous. Yeah, yeah, populous, poplars. I think I'm going to be a little stinker and say populous. Oh, you're going to ruin this whole show. Or populous. All right, I like populous. I can get. That I can sounds, get on board with that. That sounds quite Greek, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it sounds like pomplamous, which I believe is uh, Spanish for. No, it's French, French for, for uh, grapefruit. grapefruit. Yes, great mm-hmm. band. Look them up. Oh yeah, I remember them. Yeah, yeah, a YouTube uh, band from back YouTube. in the day. You know what? That's when they made it. They made it big. Yeah, no. Scary Pockets. They were good. What? Do you know Scary Pockets? No. Jack, the guy huh? from Pomplamoose. Oh yeah, he has a funk band called Scary Scary what? Pockets. I think. Yeah. All right, that makes sense. Yeah, okay, I can see that. They Multi instrumentalists. They are quite quite funky. Yeah. Wow. Well, all right. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna funk themed frisbee team right now. Nice. Yeah. What we're also you? business oriented what's your what are you called uh uh, casey and the sunshine band and associates llc oh my god (laughs) you love associations i love that i do everything i do should just be something something and associates and associates yeah it's very lawyer-esque of you i think everything's associated and uh, i like to be associated with good things well speaking of associating with good things Let's associate with the idea that you and I are walking through a forest. All right, all right. Where might we be in this dream scenario? Well, in this dream scenario, we could be literally anywhere in the United States. Okay. Almost, pretty much. I'm going to say I'm going to say Pacific Northwest. Mm, okay, actually no, let's say Utah, Colorado. Okay, yeah. we're we're in uh, Boulder. Yes. We're just outside of Boulder walking through a forest, All right. a mountain forested yep. area. Sounds good. And we come across an, uh, a quaking aspen grove. Mm. And uh, I my, I say, uh, wow, the trees are trembling before us. And you say, no, you buffoon. I would not say that. I'd say, yes, they are. Bow. <laughs> and then they wouldn't because I don't, you know. Anyway, keep going. And uh, you say, oh, those are quaking aspen. I say, Casey. Mm-hmm. Tell us about what they look like, what they sound like is maybe uh, oh. something to talk about today. Yes, they're shivering. And uh, let's let's talk all the basics of this tree ID. Well, I'm really glad you asked, Alex, because here's the situation. These trees, as you're walking through a grove of them, uh-huh. it will be one, like, uniform looking space around you because they all have you know long tall stems that are bone white and they have like where their old branches were they have these like black spots this was a revelation to me what uh that 
aspen trees and i think also birch trees uh-huh. well the same same family right mm, or same no. Uh, no i don't i don't think they're in the same family nope betulaceae versus salicaceae <sighs> nope different one forgive me it's okay you're forgiven but i think maybe birch trees also do this where their old branches fall off and they leave a little black spot yes they're polka dotted they are and i had no idea what those were for the longest time and mm-hmm. you you opened my eyes you yeah. said alex those are where old branches fell off That's exactly right they look like little eyeballs or yes, something they yeah. look like the, the eyes on a potato yes very similar i yeah. agree well, they, you're exactly right. They have these little black spots that are like punctuating this otherwise very perfectly white bark. Yeah. Like everyone loves them because they love how white and like powdery this bark looks. It's pristine. It really is. And then when you see like a gigantic grove of them, there's just hundreds and hundreds of stems everywhere and it's all this one looking, this like uniform looking kind of tree stem. Yeah. White. Now, if you're looking a little bit higher, you're going to see these little leaves. And one thing that is so lovely about these leaves and where the tree gets its name, the quaking aspen, right. is that it has these little chordate leaves, which means heart-shaped. I've never heard this. Isn't it a fun term? Chordate. chordate. Cor- corazon is heart in Spanish. Yes, and it comes from, I believe it's also, that's where the Latin base is, chord. Yes. Um, uh, there's something, there's another heart thing that I'm thinking of that I can't think of. Ooh. Hmm. Well, we have that at least. Yeah, it's there. But yeah, chordate means heart-shaped. And so they are obviously heart-shaped as our most popular thing. So the black cottonwood's another great example. And other species of um, different kinds of aspen trees. Um, but they're also like we call cottonwoods, poplars, and aspens. They're all in the same family, kind of like um, plums and peaches and uh, cherries. They're okay. All, they're all prunus. They're all in the same genus, but right. we call them different things for whatever reason. Interesting. So in this case, these little guys have these little heart-shaped leaves. They have little, oh, like the tiniest little serrations around the edge, like yeah. almost non-existent. Sometimes I think they're, they are a little bit um, entire where there's no, there's no crenellations or no sh- little serrations. Um, but they have a flattened petiole that is in the uh, perpendicular orientation to the leaf blade itself. Now, you know I'm going to need some clarification. By the way, really quickly, I want to say about the margin. Yeah. Regarding the margin. Uh, (laughs) Regarding the margin. I would say (laughs) some of these these photos I'm seeing, the margin... Definitely looks serrated, but it looks like a yeah. dull serration. Oh, yeah. Like it's been like you, you kind of took a, a knife that was sharp and then tried to cut through a rock. Yeah. They're yeah. like they're like a little rounded serrated. Little, little nubs left. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're kind of adorable. They I think. are. They look can, almost. You know what I see? A lizard. You know, like you can see a lizard and they have like little tiny lizard teeth. And you're like, I'm not afraid of those lizard oh. teeth. This is what I imagine. Like it's it looks like the teeth from a chameleon. Yes. Okay. Like, <laughs> bear, can you even call them teeth? It's more just like like sharp gums. I do want to say, uh, looking at these leaves uh, and admiring them, so yeah. I can see why they're so popular. Yeah, <laughs> you and your. Puns. I think I just blushed. Yeah, you did a little bit. You didn't even laugh. You looked at me straight. You were just, you were just like, yeah. I'm like, what's the joke? Absolutely. Why are you laughing? <laughs> why are you laughing? I was just making a very clear and conscious observation. <laughs> no. Well, you could be right. You could be right, Alex. They are popular because they're popular. Mm. That's fine. The explanation here, I don't really have a good explanation as to why um i why can come what? up with uh oh you you asked about the explanation about the the petiole leaf petiole oh yes yes, yes. Yeah, okay. sorry sorry 
So um, if the if the leaf blade is is horizontal, then the petiole, which of course is the part of the leaf that connects the leaf blade back down to the leaf stem and connects to that. So the yeah. the stem, quote unquote, of the leaf, it's called a petiole. That petiole has uh, its orientation. If the leaf is horizontal, the petiole itself is flattened in a vertical orientation. Oh, okay. And that is why they have this trembling thing. Exactly. Yeah. Take one hand and mm-hmm. make it flat take the other hand make it vertical and put them together yep that's what it looks like yeah interesting so then if you have the leaf that gets blown in one direction it doesn't just gently kind of flip back and forth because it is floating in the direction that is perpendicular to the way that the uh the petiole wants to bend uh-huh. so basically just kind of does a 180 and just kind of flips over wildly. Wow. Instead of just kind of gently like rising and moving because most other petioles on other different species of tree, they're rounded in cross section. Uh So they can kind of move in any direction and kind of sway and bend. But with the aspen specifically... They flip just in a absolute way because you, you can't you just can't bend that way. You're the, trying to bend it a two by four on the long side. Right. Make any sense. They have a fixed range of range of motion. Yeah. But that range of motion is perpendicular to the status of the leaf. Exactly. And the leaf is the sail. That's what picks up the wind. So right. as the wind wants to push it up, it can't go up. It can only go left and right. So it flips over like, and then goes left or right, kind of at a weird kind of like. It's like you're flipping your hair. And so I'm assuming this is the quaking of the name quaking aspen. Exactly. They have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of leaves on a given large tree. Wow. And then you see all of them doing that. Then they hit each other. So you get these nice little like... Wow. Yeah. So they're all like flipping and hitting onto each other and you get these really gorgeous just like um it does look like the whole tree is just trembling because they're all they're not very big. They're maybe for the most part this species there's another one called the big tooth aspen. They have Whoa. bigger leaves. These leaves they're maybe only like 2 inches long. Like they're really not small or really not large. Yeah, they're quite small and there's I love the shape of them. Oh, Casey, mm-hmm. I'm no, already yeah, I'm yeah, already smitten over I was here. just saying that that's exactly what you are. Yeah, we're just going to send you pictures of these adorable leaves and show you show them waving around they got your heart uh, as as casey was describing that last bit i was on youtube looking at uh, <laughs> a video of quaking aspens doing their thing yeah it's beautiful i encourage everyone to go out if you can go out and listen to them because it's really nice to actually hear them doing their thing oh i'm sure that'd be great yeah. some great ambient sound yes very much so mm. well so that's the thing they're they're nice dark on top they have these um the kind of a very light green yellow petiole which really kind of contrasts with the the mm. sort of I don't know muted limish green on top, uh, and then they have they don't get very big. They have their their bone white um, bone structure essentially with all these green things uh, fluttering during the summertime. But then they turn this bright bright like pastel yellow orange in the fall time. Wow, which is like famous in places like Aspen, Colorado, and like mountains in Utah where people go and there's like wow this is so beautiful and it's like this old coniferous forest with these just big just patches of yellow and all the trees turn yellow at the same time alex i'll tell you why later okay so they're really just gorgeous gorgeous trees um 
on you know multiple different fronts and even during the middle of winter time when they're just sitting there waiting to pop their new leaves out in the springtime they are just these nice white sentinels just covering this otherwise dark or maybe snow-covered hillside hmm. so they got all all kinds of nice interest during the winter time they got nice summer foliage it's very fluttery it feels very airy they'll move on almost no breeze at all wow. and then they have this great fall color not very nice yellow i I love a tree that visually, aesthetically offers mm. something in every season. Yeah, this one's got it. I will admit it. Wow. It does it. And it's got these adorable little catkins for fruit and flowers. So these are in the willow family. So they have really similar um, flowers like willow, specifically the pussy willow with all these little like um, sort of rabbit foots kind of thing, rabbit hmm. feet kind of things where they just look like these little um, kind of toes that pop out just covered in these adorable little hairs. Cute. Yeah, so those little catkins, um, they are dioecious trees, so you have either female trees or you have male trees. Cool. And then they release these big long catkins with these little teeny tiny seeds that kind of float away during the uh, early, early spring, and then that's how it would reseed itself if it reseeds itself. Do these seeds have any sort of... uh uh, transpiratory uh, bract on them? Um, I, d- I d- believe they do. I don't know if it's a bract. It's just kind of like a hairy seed that just kind of goes whoosh and kind of flows away. Oh, okay. So that's my understanding, at least. And so they're really super inconspicuous. Like you can't really, you almost don't even see them at all. These catkins uh, look like giant caterpillars. Yeah, they kind of do. They're kind of adorable, aren't they? Wait a minute. What? Etymologically, maybe I'm maybe I'm running down a rabbit hole. I hope you aren't. But catkin caterpillar. Do you, I don't know. Do you think maybe these comes from the same thing? It's possible. I've oh. never even considered it. Catkin, 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 catkin. I don't know. The base, the, the where it comes from seems different. Caterpillar because they look similar. So maybe Catar, there's something that they both catkin. look like. Oh no, Casey. Mm, maybe. <laughs> Casey's maybe. Casey's uh using a marker to draw on my window. <laughs> I'm connecting lines and dots. Everything adds up to twenty three, Alex. Oh my as we, god. As we sit here next to two computers connected to the internet where we could easily Google this. Oh boy. Casey clap. I'm gonna say yes to your to to that. 100%. Yeah, why not? Seventy yeah, percent, right? Those are those are etymologically almost the exact same word actually <laughs> just to be clear um, can we talk uh, uh however briefly or not about um bark oh yeah well the, the bark is just this white bark and it's really thin yeah it's great however it does at 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 age it gets uh it gets a little darker and kind of gets a little furrowed mm-hmm. and if you wound it then it that wound also becomes black and dark and then like that's where you start getting um kind of the furrows develop around that wound where oh. as the tree is expanding out that becomes like an expansion point right right where it got wounded yeah so you end up getting these like dark things in fact historically there are um Aspen trees that have had, um, what did they call it? Arbor glyphs, I think is the term. Arbor glyphs. Have you heard about this? No, but it sounds like something from ancient Norse, and I'm here for it. It is, yes. It's not Norse, though. It was Native Americans who would um, have these big trees, and they would mark on them with glyphs of some kind. Yeah. I don't know exactly if they were like for leading them somewhere, like this is a marker for a place or something mm. like that, but they would mark on them because as the trees aged, they would keep that individual line work 
in the tree, it would just get kind of bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. It's another same situation for the beech tree, except these, the contrast is so much in, more intense. That's amazing. Yeah. So there's actually ancient trees that you can still find every now and then. I believe I passed one sometime or I tried to find it. I don't remember where I was. But they noted that there's a tree over in this area, and it had these old glyphs on it um, where somebody had marked on it 100 years ago and then disappeared, and that tree still exists there. Wow. Because they live up to about 130 years, I think, 140. Quaking aspens do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dang. Not very long-lived trees in terms of uh, their, you know, an individual stem, but they do tend to, uh, yeah, it's kind of the, the same thing with willows of all sorts and poplars of all sorts. They just tend to not live very long. They put more effort into their growing fast, producing a lot of fruit, and mm-hmm. then if they get a little bit of decay, who cares? They're just going to fall over and just sprout back again. Oh, these are sort of, uh, they have sort of a, a short-term game plan as yeah. far as reproduction and life. I'm going to say kind of. Oh, mm. okay. We need to we need to somehow like have music that we can be like, well, Alex... Sort of. And then like... Such a confliction of tone. I know, yeah, yeah. I want to make it so mysterious. Kind of. Sorry. Well, I really want to mention the fact that these... The bark... The reason I asked you to expand on the bark... Yeah. And I used the word expand purposefully here... Because I believe that the bark has what I have historically called stretch marks... Those, yeah. those gas exchange lines. Oh, yeah, the petioles, yeah. Um, I'm sorry, not petioles. Oh, my God, lentisols. The lentisols. Yeah, they do. They're not near as pronounced as a birch tree no. or maybe a, a a cherry, but yes, they're there. This is why maybe I confused it with birch. Yes. Because they have similar bark. And they have they have the eyes, the potato eyes, mm-hmm. and they have stimulants. Yes, exactly. They have stimulants. What is it? Lentisols. Lentisols. Yeah, and the, honestly, they look a lot like them in the sense of you have big white trees uh, that grow up. They have these little fluttery leaves. They look a lot like birches too, like 100%. Let's do a quick definition of lentisols for anybody who says, what the fuck is oh, that? Oh, what a great idea. A lentisol is a small gas exchange pore, basically, in the bark or on the twigs of trees. Mm-hmm. You usually see them on almost all twigs when they're very first coming out. And that's because that elongation section of the twig is so physiologically active that it just needs to have gas happen all the time because it's it's moving and it's doing stuff pretty constantly. But then as the bark gets put on older sections, those lentisols get put in the bark and they remain there. And they're basically tubes that go from the outside of the, the very outside of the bark that you and I can touch all the way down to the cambium level. And then that's where the tree will exchange gas from it doing stuff on the bark maybe it's on the stem maybe it's on a limb anything else and they can look like individual dots on the twigs mm-hmm. or on um like i said birches on a lot of these uh things in this family specifically uh salicaceae as well as on cherry trees those mm-hmm. are the the fantastic little uh horizontal lines that are very um uh, noteworthy on cherries and that's the the famous white or the bark marks on uh uh, birch trees. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Great question, Alex. Thank you, Mr. Clap. goodness. Well, so the other fun thing about this tree is Ooh. that it is extremely successful. 
Wow. It has grown. It is the most widespread tree in the entire United States of America. You're kidding me. Not at all. And this is in terms of where it grows natively. We have native aspen here in Oregon. Yeah. We have native aspen over in as far down as like the mountains in Mexico because they grow at really high elevations as well as way high up in latitudes and really like cold areas. Okay. So all the way down in like mountains of northern Mexico, you have them in the Rockies, you have them down in Arizona, you have them in New England, all the way up through Canada. Yeah, I'm looking at this map right now. Canada is flush. Yeah. Isn't it a ridiculous like huge thing? I'm like, gonna I'm gonna post this map on our Instagram because oh, it's it's kind of amazing do. to see uh, just how wide reaching these things are. Yeah, it's it's a stunning amount of um, like a stunning range of any tree. Like just because I mean we've talked about this a couple times. If you think about the uh, the difference in like latitudinal changes from Mexico to here to the boreal region of Canada. Yeah. Like those conditions are just so vastly different. So of course they stay at the higher elevation sections, which mimic more of the higher latitude places, but still it's just a mind blowing ability for a tree to be so able to withstand such conditions across not only the breadth and or the width and the breadth, but also the length of North America. Like, it's just incredible. I don't know if there's any other tree that I can think of. Maybe the madrone that grows from Mexico to Canada. Yeah. But this one grows from like Mexico through Canada, not just to Canada, you know? It makes me feel a little bit sad. Why? For those quaking aspen that are growing like in the southernmost point in mexico oh yeah well not the southern i think it's in northern mexico yeah i see some like maybe that i would maybe call central oh i see yeah gotcha latitudinally on on par with like Mm -hmm. the yucatan wow that's amazing um and then you know those are just little dots on this map yeah you look at the you look at canada it's completely green yeah it's got all of its friends everywhere yeah and i just uh, feel a little sad for it for some reason you know what i think that'd be that's a fair thing to be to be sad about because it is you know trees are social things Things. you know they they like yeah. this oh gosh i have another book i finally picked up um the overstory oh um, yeah hannah gave it to me and is it's just such a delightful book she read it and she's like you gotta read this wow and everybody else has been like you gotta read this like it's i've had so many different people recommend it finally putting it in there it's a delight i absolutely love it. it's very sad and with that we'll be right back we're completely arbitrary Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. 
Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today we're talking quaking Aspen Cakesy. Mm, oh, you almost say Quakesy? Quakesy. Quakesy Quakesy clap. Quakesy quap. Quakesy mm, quap. It's hard to say. <laughs> Quakesy quap. You and I just... We just we just noshed on some snacks. Yeah, it was good. This is very felt like Mediterranean almost. Mm, it was just a bunch of random meats and cheeses and fruits I had. Yeah, Mediterranean. Yeah, why not? And we felt very much like Denethor because we had uh, some cherry tomatoes. Yeah, I didn't I didn't squish them out of my uh. mouth, nor did you though. So, well, Casey, today we're talking quaking aspen. Oh, aren't we? Papaloose tremuloides tremuloides. Excuse me. You make me sick. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it until you throw up everywhere. All right, your house. <laughs> um, well, Case, we are talking about a very special topic today. <clears throat> yes, we are. Around the quaking aspen. A very big uh-huh. topic, if you catch my drift. Oh, I do catch your drift. It's mm. a very numerous, multifaceted topic. Yes. Well, I'm happy that you brought this up because a lot of people have requested it and they really think, they just think they're really beautiful trees and Uh I get it. And they are always, whenever you say, you know how like you you say a fact and there's someone who's like, well, actually, and then they like name this other fact. You're like, oh God. Science people. Science people. But like almost the pedantic science people, which I, I am often enough, so I can't like hate too hard. Um... But it's the this is the one that I just don't know where I land on. Wow. I'm very on this topic and its repercussions, repercussions in this uh, in the topic of big trees. Okay. Or big things. Oh. Or old things, old trees. This topic makes me reconsider the entire the entire thing that we just define as a tree, basically. Okay. So here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about sprouting, specifically uh, vegetative reproduction. Are you okay. familiar with the term, Alex? Vegetative reproduction. Yes. No. I mean, I can parse what it's what it is. I guess. All right. Well, give it give it a shot here. <clears throat> reproduction. I know mm-hmm. what that is. Okay. Well, uh, tell us what it is. Where uh, an, a being. Uh, uh, reproduces uh-huh. by creating more of itself through seeds. Okay. <laughs> um, and eggs. Okay. And fruit and ovaries. Mm-hmm. You know what? I, you know that I know what reproduction is. I just, no, I, no, I just no, 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 no. Give it. Keep a going. Strict definition. Vegetative. Yeah. Uh, vegetation. Mm-hmm. Mm, plants. Yep. So just. Plants reproducing. You are, you are not wrong, but you're certainly not right. Okay. <laughs> the biggest. Thing- I hated this experience. <laughs> Alex just left. Casey oh, just pinged me into a corner and watched and clicked his <laughs> fingers together. As I now sweated. you know how I feel when you ask me all these hard questions during all of our games. Hard question. Oh please. Yeah, yeah. It's tough sometimes to be in the hot seat. How dare I ask tree questions of the tree guy? Oh, come on. This is a... uh, All right, fine. Vegetative reproduction is a form of reproduction where a tree reproduces itself. You're correct. Uh But that's where it ends. 
It's a clonal reproduction. I see. So you put your toes in the sand. Your toes grow a new Alex on the other side out from the sand in front of you. Sounds pretty cool to me. Yeah, you got two Alexes. You are genetically exactly the same. This is vegetative reproduction via sprouts. Okay. So you have tree one. Let's call it, let's call it the zero tree. Okay. The zero tree is an aspen. It grew from seed. Boop, right there. It's grown up. It's having a lovely time. And it grows for 80 years. It's having a beautiful time. It gets struck by lightning and mm. catches the entire forest around it on fire. It burns to the ground. Wow. Hey, no, not RIP. Because that tree now no longer has a living stem, but its root system underground is still very much alive. Okay. So a fire comes through and it burns that thing to a pulp. The next year, there's going to be sprouts popping up from the ground all around mm. that one tree, hundreds of them, all from all the roots, from the, the, the spot where the stem used to be, and now maybe it just fell over and it's just this burnt, burnt crisp. Okay. The, the ring where the roots meet uh, the trunk, it's called like the basal um, area of the tree. That area, right from the base of the tree, sprouts come up. From roots a little bit further down, sprouts come up everywhere. So now, fast forward another 80 years. You had mm. maybe 30 of those uh, sprouts grew and became big trees. Then another fire comes through because these are growing in, let's say, uh, the mountains of Colorado, where it's a very hot, dry, arid place. Fires come through every now and then, relatively infrequently, but not like um, not like the Ponderosa Pine Forest where you get them like really low intensity fires were natural every five to 10 years or so. Uh-huh. This would be like every 50 to 80 years, you get a big, huge fire that rolls through. Can we pause? Of course. Uh, you said the, the new little sprigs, what do yeah. you call them? Sprouts. Uh, sprouts yeah. uh-huh. come out of the root system. Yes. And like kind of in a in a ring pattern. Uh, yeah, they would come out from a ring pattern like around the stem where the right. stem was a ring. Then they would grow from there. But otherwise, if a root's just going out in some random direction, they would just pop up from that random root. For- Aren't- Okay, aren't those immediately competing with each other? Yes, but they're also the same thing. So it would be that they are not only competing with each other to, for like light. So uh-huh. you're going to get big ones and little ones, dominant ones, less dominant ones. Yeah. They will maybe get shaded out. But as they get shaded out, they're also growing and sending nutrients down into the root system that the other thing is sharing. Oh, because it's the same tree. It's the same tree. Oh, are we getting closer to what I think we're getting closer to here? Yes, we are. Okay. This is clonal reproduction at its finest. There are several trees that do this, obviously. But in contrast to, say, the the banyan tree, where the banyan tree sent out aerial roots and then put up like new stems and then colonized one big area with one tree, but you can kind of see the whole tree kind of growing from branches and roots. This is the tree I was thinking of earlier. Oh, gotcha. Yes. So this is the same thing, except there's no aerial roots. It's all from the ground, Mm -hmm. and they just send up new sprouts. So it's like a hydra, Alex, where you cut down one, a bunch grow back. Then another, all those bunch get burned up in another fire, and then from each one of those stems and from all the roots that have now spread out even further, you get boom, 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 more trees, more trees, more trees. Right. Specifically, more stems of what was one tree. Now, this is where, Alex, I think that we're really getting into our philosophical question. This is hmm. where we're moving from completely arbitrary to completely philosophical, Larry. Okay. Because this is where the question is, is that one tree or is that multiple trees? 
one specific tree or grove of trees, we're not really sure how to describe it, okay. is 43.6 hectares in size, which is 108 acres. Wow. Those are acres. That's huge. That is a big tree. Uh, it's it, Right? Uh, question mark at the end? Yeah. How many E's do we put on there? I don't know. And this tree is called? Pando. Pando. It means I spread. Because oh, it spreads. Oh, pando. Yeah, right? So when this comes out from Apple, it's going to be a lowercase I spread. Oh my God, that's so precious. Isn't I love it? that. <laughs> oh, Alex, you are such a chum. I spread. Oh man, that's awesome. Well, so here's the fascinating thing that I have uh, come to learn. So this is what really is like where, where I'm trying to open my mind and like think about these things because A, I find trees to be so fascinating and this is probably the tree that is... The most responsible for me having to like take a step back and be like, okay, what is a tree? What is an organism? What is, what is, how do we define it? And this one clearly breaks, breaks the, the rules and it, it's the exception to the rule. And this is why it is one tree, 108 acres that has done that same process that I just described to you hundreds and hundreds of times over like 10,000 years or more. There are estimates and these are just estimates. No one is a hundred percent sure that these trees, um, cause there's more than one colony like this where you had one tree or a group, you know, one, it's literally one tree. It's one genetically identical tree that is X amount of tree stems wide, all connected by one gigantic root system that just goes through an entire forest. So that one tree happened to grow there and then became this gigantic colony of itself. Mm -hmm. Then another one did that, you know, all over this gigantic, huge population of these trees because they grow from Canada to Mexico, from Oregon to Minnesota, over to New York, over to Maine. Like they're everywhere. These are great folk lyrics. Yeah, they they totally are. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I thought I I heard a banjo just now. (laughs) Oh, that was me. Sorry. Well, that's the case. Yeah, so they... Every single place. And so not all of them will sprout and actually create these huge, gigantic complexes because like say in New England, there's a bunch of other like maples and beaches and other trees that are like, yeah, I'm going to out, I'm going to out compete you. So you can't get these gigantic colonies. Right. But in the more arid West, they do have the opportunity to just colonize and take over larger areas because, A, there's fewer species to deal with. And if they can grow up and out-compete and outshade other small trees, or if they sprout back way quicker than a new conifer seed will sow itself, germinate, and then be able to take dominance, then the, the you clearly have this like much better means of survival. Yeah. But so here's the funny thing. They're saying, well, yeah, this tree, if we just guess and we just kind of do some science, we, we estimate if it started somewhere and it's slowly moving out and getting bigger and bigger, how many times do we have fire on average? How fast does it take for a tree to grow this big and like put out roots this far and then grow up? So they've estimated that at least Pando is probably about 10,000 or so years old. Maybe. Okay. That goes all the way back to the last ice age, Alex. Jeez. So that means that this tree has been living alive through the roots since the last ice age. And not only that, they have found that generally these trees are not reseeding themselves in new territory in the arid west. 
So they are making seeds, and if there's a big, gigantic fire, then they can see new little sprouts come back from seed. They Mm -hmm. saw this in Yellowstone and a couple other big fireplaces. However, they are not finding generally a huge amount of influx into the population of new sexually reproduced. So this is the difference where a sexually reproduced thing is where you have a sperm and a, and a uh, ovum, an egg, come together, create a new individual with genetically distinct that is genetically distinct right. from both parents. Yes. That would be sexual reproduction. Okay. Vegetative or asexual reproduction is when you just have these new sprouts come up. They are now reproducing themselves in terms of new stems, but the thing was alive under the ground the whole time. Right. So it's not really reproducing, it's just growing back, more or less. Yeah. So in this case, this it's is just producing. It's just producing. Yeah. Yeah. So re I guess that's exactly right. Thank you. It's mm-hmm. not it's it is not reproducing. I think that's a fair description. I think I'm going to think we're going to I'm going to put that line down. You heard it here first everyone. Oh wow. It is not reproducing. It's just producing. Are we going to be am I going to be a another am I going to be a, a published scientist again? I think so. Again, yeah, you had such a you 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 were you fall from grace was so bad. So <laughs> I, I think you're on your way back. Climb yourself to the top. I got to have words with the dean. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of hate mail. People are going to be like, it is reproduction, and you're going to have to stand by it. I, you know will take, I will take those okay. emails. Well, this is the situation. These trees, allegedly, this is what they're, they're, these folks are thinking, have been growing and have not significantly started reseeding themselves because the conditions have changed over the last 10,000 years so much to where you cannot get a successfully grown from seed tree just to happen naturally. It's just gotten way too hot since the last ice age when oh. there was, it was cooler and there was more water. Whoa. So these things cannot sexually reproduce anymore? They can. They still can. They just apparently don't, once they make seeds, that little, the new seedling just does not really take. Either it's too dry. um, It can't grow fast enough to find a really good, reliable source of water, which is a little bit deeper now, a little bit further away. All the good spots are taken by the big ones that are still living. Yeah. And there's also a lot more browse, either from deer or elk or um, cows, because we're in the mountain west where everyone's raising cows. Browse? Browse. Sorry, browse just means if you're eating the leaves oh, or something. Oh, browse. B-R-O-W-S-E. Yes. Got it. That's it. So, browse is a word for food that an animal eats from a tree. That's right, Alex. I was like, what, what, where is he going with this? I'm telling the, I'm telling the <laughs> listeners. I learned Thank this you. during our giraffe. Uh, our, um, giraffe. Uh, yeah, giraffe yeah. episode where yeah. they, that's browse, the stuff mm-hmm. that they eat. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like on the internet, but the internet is a tree. Yes. Which is also true. <gasps> it would be like calling uh, the stuff in your refrigerator eat. Yes. And you just go browse it. Do I have any eat? Yeah. I'm going to go get some eat. <laughs> well, so that that is the thing. So let's recap real fast. Okay. So uh, aspen trees are famous for their vegetative production, where they will grow new stems from an already pre-existing and allegedly ancient uh, rootstock. Yeah. That rootstock then will keep growing and keep expanding as it puts up these new stems it creates gigantic colonies the time it takes to create these gigantic colonies is hundreds and thousands of years in some cases where you can get these massive 108 acre large colonies that allegedly have been growing for even some people say millions of years because 
How far back can you go? Like maybe one dies, maybe a whole section of it dies, then it regrows another section like a blob that just doesn't ever die. Right. Who knows how old the actual, like the gene was. Can you go back in time and say, there's the sexual reproduction. It happened, boom, right then. Yeah, I was actually, I, I started making a list of questions over here for you. All right, let's let's shoot them. But this, well, uh, this isn't really a question, but I was, I was going to ask, is there like, an origin tree, you know, we don't know or stem in that mess. Like, is there, is there a mother tree essentially? Mm, I assume you could probably find one. If you like, you would have to go in like dig underground, find old roots and then maybe like do a carbon dating on them. Oh wow. Maybe, but those cells, like it would have to be the oldest one you can find but that could only tell you that one you don't know if maybe there was a stem that existed let's say like a target right the target has red white red white okay so it can start in the middle red and then it will grow out to the next red and then go out to the very outer sized edge but then the middle one dies entirely Mm -hmm. and then that outer edge goes back across the lines and recolonizes that middle red dot right okay so the tree existed there in the middle 10,000 years ago but then it died away rotted entirely and then new of the same tree recolonized that area so it's much younger even though there used to be something there that was older so all that is just like folded in on itself a million times that is the potential no one knows for sure because we can't go back and say yes this existed like this because it would have decayed and then got redone possibly Maybe not. I see. We don't know. And that is why, A, there's so many, like, uh, this is where the pedantic uh, science person comes in and says, well, technically, Pando's the biggest thing in the world, Mm. as opposed to uh, General Sherman, the giant sequoia, or this fungus, you know, that is in eastern Oregon. It's an armillaria fungus. And they say, no, that's the biggest and the heaviest organism in the world because it's a millimeter thick mat of uh, mycelium that goes out like several miles in every direction. A wood wide web. Exactly. And so they're like, no, this is actually the biggest thing. It's like, well, okay, is it? Like, are we sure? If you do the math and you assume, you know, it is exactly that meter or that millimeter thick across, this fungus may be the biggest, heaviest thing. Maybe the oldest. How long does it take for a fungus to start in zero and then go all the way out and become this big, gigantic ring? People are arguing about this? Oh, yeah. Constantly. Uh, Why? Yeah. So, that's just that's what it is. But then they're also like, it's it's a little bit of like taking it specifically. Let's also talk about the bristlecone pine, the oldest l- single organism where you can go and drill <clears throat> into right. a tree with an increment bore, count the rings and say, this is a 5,000 year old thing. It's been sitting here for 5,000 years living. Whereas you could say, well, Pando's been living for maybe forever. We don't know. Yeah. But it's certainly older than 5,000. We can confirm that just because we can like calculate how fast it would grow and estimate how many fires would have to take for it to get its roots out X amount of space. Right. You know? So you can be like, well, maybe, I guess, yeah. So it's, but then it's like, I don't know. I hate to say that like science, well, it does this always. It takes all the romanticism out of everything. Sure. It's like having that one big tree that's old, not big, that one bristlecone pine. You're like that thing, that's that singular entity, oldest thing in the world. Mm. Whereas you walk out into this forest and you're like, this is the oldest living thing in the world. And you're like, well, is it? Or is it, are, are they the oldest living things in the world? Or is this one 
Like if you could just uh, wash away all the soil and all the rocks and just like get a, you know, like a computer system where they like, this is what it looks like. Then they like animate what it looks like underground or like you take all the soil and all the rocks away. Jurassic Park. Yeah, exactly. Now, what if we did that, Alex, with the Pando mm. colony? Then we could see like maybe there's this gigantic old root that's just like this mother root, like just pulsing, you know, like an <laughs> alien just sending everything out. So maybe it's like that and we could see that, yes, there's this huge, gigantic mat of living wood that has been there for, you know, a really long time. I see. I don't know, maybe. But then it's just so, this is where science just ruins it. It's so unsatisfying to walk into this and say, this is the oldest, biggest living organism. Because comparing that to the single tree, you're just like, well, that single tree is a badass. This one's like, I don't know, kind of cheated a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, but then, so this is what I was saying also earlier, Alex, where we become arbor philosophers. Can we now just define, say, well, no, this tree took the strategy of living for a really long time, but it doesn't, it just keeps on cooking on one stem Mm -hmm. or maybe starts growing up another one, but it doesn't send up any sprouts. It's just this one thing. It's just going to keep going. Whereas Pando is like, well, I'm going to put all of my effort into living underground, not above ground. Above ground, I don't care. It's as, as deciduous as my leaves for all I care. So that makes me redefine, like maybe I I'm redefining trees, uh, or I should redefine trees in a way that's like, well, you could have one single tree or you could have one single trees, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. Well, are you, uh, let's, let's like, let's figure this out. Are you a, and this is kind of a different lumper splitter kind of thing. Oh yeah. To you, is Pando a single organism or, I mean, is it a single tree or is it many trees? Mm. I have my answer, Ooh, but I want want yours first. Okay. I think it is multiple trees. Okay. One organism, multiple trees. And I think it's just, I think if I, if this was on a spectrum, I think that it would be just one level down from a forest being one organism. Right. In the sense that you have multiple different species of things that are all connected by either their own roots grafting or fungus grafting and putting them all together where you just can't even tell the difference of what root is the, which root is that to this fungus? Is that another fungus? What is that? It's all one big thing. I think if you were moving on the spectrum from single tree to multiple trees to a forest of trees to a forest of one tree, then yeah, <laughs> I don't know. This is a hard question. I, All right, I, you think it's you think it's one organism, but you think it's multiple trees. Yes, which is a hard. Like I don't even. Uh, yes, I'm just gonna say yes. It defies. I mean, it defies a lot of our preconceived notions about what is uh, nature. What is? Yeah, yeah. What All is right. period? What do you? What do you? What do you think? Where are I th- you at? I think it's one tree. You think it's one tree? Yeah, one I think it's just a huge, tree. huge tree. Jeez. Let us know what you think. Think fungal associates? Do you think Pando is one tree or many trees? It's impossible, Alex. Hashtag one tree or many trees. Hashtag one tree, baby. Well, Casey, I think now is a perfect time. All right, to get into our review, our rating of the Quaking Aspen. This one was hard. I know we. It's like we're conflicted here. Um, <sighs> here's how it works. You and I will give a rating from zero to ten golden cones of honor mm-hmm. to the Quaking Aspen. Yeah. Casey, as our resident expert, mm. we'll begin with you. Okay. All right. So before I say what I like about it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive down a little bit. Half the people, I love you guys. You're our favorite people in the world. Mm. 
everyone who's like, I really want to plant a quaking aspen. I'm just like, don't do it. Oh. It's the worst thing you can ever do because everyone thinks they're so beautiful and they're so pretty and they're so nice. And then they accidentally take their weed whacker and they nick the base of it. Whoops. Now you got 17 trees. It's the hydra of the tree world. And everyone's like, oh my God. And then they just go insane because then you, you can go take like your, uh, your, your, uh, what am I, your stump grinder, grind out the stump, and then any roots that you've left over, they're going to sprout new things. Wow. They're the worst trees. They're the worst trees because of that, if you sounds plant like, them in your yard. It sounds like bamboo. I know bamboo does that. Yes, it's 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 very similar to that. Now, I don't think they're quite as bad as bamboo because that's a grass, so yeah. bamboo is just like outstanding at it. But they're really similar. Like you just, It's hard to get rid of, and they. I don't like trees that sprout like crazy in an uncontrollable fashion. Fashion. Okay. And once you start it, you can't stop it. So I think big detraction. Uh, they're lovely trees, and I think you should plant them. However, if you're planting them uh, down low, totally fine. They live it. If you plant them like way up in like the mountains or like over in the east side, like Bend or something like that, I think it's super cool. But my honestly, I'm like, well, if you're going to plant an aspen, you might as well plant a fir tree. So, oh, interesting. Anyway, these are my thoughts. I am biased towards conifers. I know this about myself. Your cones are your own. My cones are my own. I love the the mind bending idea that ten thousand years ago, a glacier just barely in August pulled itself back just enough and left all this gorgeous sand here, and then. The next year, mm. a small little seed flutters down, lands at the base of that glacier where there's plenty of water, and then starts to put down some roots. It grows up. This glacier keeps pulling back and just releases this gigantic swath of land that is now this gorgeous like uh, river valley as it, you know, it kind of the glacier recedes and flows away and the you know, you have all these these changes that are happening. And then this one tree starts growing. And then, years later, a fire comes through because all these grasses, you know, went on this glacial till and it caught on fire and it killed that tree. And then that happened again. And then that happened again. And then 10,000 years later, you have this ancient old thing that has been living for so long that it's like, I don't even care about sex anymore. <laughs> I just, I don't even care. Like, honestly, I'm just going to, I just... Whatever. It's going to reproduce the old-fashioned way. I'm just going to do the old-fashioned way. The new-fashioned way, I guess. Yeah, the old-fashioned way. Just put his toe out, and that's a new tree. <laughs> so that's I, I think that the idea that these trees as colonies, and I like try to take like a, a sort of like, uh, like a aerial view of this and just see like these patches almost like um, like a fungus or like a slime mold like covering something. Mm. and But like... If you're way like, you know, an aerial view of the Western United States, you just see all these patches of slime molds that have just been growing in these massive big colonies for 10,000 years. They barely have sex anymore because it's too hot and they're just like, I don't care. Just give me the iced tea. <clears throat> I just think that's so, so rad. I'm just always stunned. Like, not always. I'm just learning this, but I'm stunned about the fact that these trees could potentially be so old that they have just been kicking it slowly getting larger. I think that's one of the most fascinating things ever. Mm. I have not had any significant tree completely challenge my perception of what a tree is in years. Wow. This is insane. So I gotta, I don't know. I, it's like I'm going to give it a, 
8.8. I was going to give it an 8.8. Golden Cones of Honor. I don't want you to plant it in your yard. For the quaking aspen from Casey Clapp. That's what I think. Uh, it's a, I'm philosophically challenged right now. You are. I'm, I'm quite. I've never seen you in such a state. I'm in a state. I'm going to go walk around in circles. I'm going to go like, you know, have my hand in my air talking to myself. Everyone's going to be like, who's that crazy guy? <laughs> and they're going to be like, oh, I think that's guy from that cool podcast. We should tell all of our friends. Why is he mumbling about trees? I don't know. Let's get out of here. The podcast is the same thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. How did he wrangle us in? Those stickers are sweet. <laughs> hey, more news coming about that <laughs> soon. All righty. Uh, what do you think, Alex? 8.8 Golden Cones of Honor for the That's... Quaking Aspen from renowned dendrologist Casey Clapp. All right. I, uh, the Quaking Aspen, I didn't know thing one about it going into this episode. But did you learn about thing two? I learned about things two, three, four, five, six, I would say. Yeah, average up to 10,000. Yeah, one for each year of the Pando's life. <laughs> uh, I adore these trees. I love their little heart-shaped leaves. Uh, I love that their leaves are, they're all fucked up so they can't really blow in the breeze naturally and they have to kind of flop around and, and uh, they're just like, yeah, that works. Um, uh, yeah, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> hey, hey, have you ever thought about just like flipping your, just flipping your petty over? No, I'm good. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, they're obviously gorgeous. They remind me of ginkgos. Really? Yeah. Why? Just because they're... I don't know old? why. I, I, I... I reckon the color of the leaves in the fall time. Yeah, yeah no, for sure. Um, but a lot of trees are that color in the that's fall true. time. Yeah, that's so true. I don't, yeah. I don't know why they remind me of the ginkgo. The texture of the leaves. I can see it. All right. Uh, Pando is awesome. Uh, it is one tree. One tree. I will challenge anybody on that with zero scientific facts to back it up, but yeah. I don't care. <laughs> I am given the quaking aspen. I gotta go with my gut. What? Nine point five. Nine point five. Yeah. Nine point five. I was gonna die, do either a nine point five or an eight point five. I think that's fair. I think that's a good number. That's incredible. That's a good. That's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. That's a that's a high ranking tree. That's one of our best. It's one of our best. I mean, yeah, I, that's high up there. I mean, it should be. It's they're incredible. You know what? Honestly, can I just can I just be honest with you here? Sure. If always. this tree was even bigger and cooler in terms of like the tree like like not only is it one of the largest oldest living organisms it's also 200 feet tall and six feet wide in diameter yeah i think i would be like way more impressed sure but this is kind of like i mean yeah you're putting a lot of effort in underground but i don't know show off a little bit i mean this is how you know long lasting thing this is how the rich stay rich oh i see they this, don't you know, they don't blow yeah. up into one big big thing they gotcha. spread their wealth i they, see you know invest it slowly in all I, of their peers yeah i don't know how any of that works all but right. they, I, they all bury right. it underground like a root system <laughs> they do <laughs> casey it's time for our completely arbitrary uh, q a i am quite ready i have to shake this off though hold on <sighs> Ooh! look at you tremble oh god oh my god you trembled your headphones right off your head like a like an aspen <laughs> casey this week our question is from audrey hello audrey what's up audrey hi casey and alex hi uh, how did she know we said hi to her that was incredible <laughs> i have a few questions about bay trees it's that's technology okay sorry go ahead that's b-a-y not b-a-e oh yeah okay these trees aren't bay <laughs> i was like what's up girl <laughs> I was at my local park here in southwest Portland, a Portlander, and hey. noticed what appeared to be a bay tree growing wild along mm. a path. 
I picked a few leaves to try cooking with. Now I'm wondering, where do commercial bay leaves come from? (laughs) Are there orchards of bay leaves? Are the leaves collected from the wild? I need to know. Yes. Thanks, Audrey. Audrey, thank you for the great question. Thank you. Uh, I love bay leaves because you can cook with them, and I love to cook. Casey, what do you reckon? All right. So this is kind of funny. I want to know how that cooking experiment went. Yeah. Because there are two things that are happening here. One is a corruption of the name of plants. Okay. As we constantly deal with here in this lovely, lovely podcast. Yeah. And the other thing is uh, a, a, a situation of what the, if they were planted um, or if they were growing wired, wild, as Audrey says. Then that leads me to believe something else. Anyway, it is a little bit cryptic. So the bay tree, the bay leaf that you cook with, uh-huh. that is from a plant called Loris nobilis. What's the common? That is the bay tree. Oh, okay. Just the normal bay tree or bay laurel. Loris? Uh, yeah, L-A-U-R-I-S uh-huh. space nobilis, N-O-B-L-I-S. The bay nobilis. laurel. Got it. Sorry, there's an I between that B and the L. I got it. Yeah, so um, things that we cook with are, or that are like garden uh, herbs, they always usually have like um, nobilis or edulis or uh, officinalis, something like that. That means like, oh, this is the official one that we cook with. Okay. Usually they're all relatively um, European because that's, you know, Linnaeus is where he started with that. He was a European. People had been living from the Roman and the Greek times and kind of moving culture and food up and down in Europe for centuries, decades, uh, thousands of years. So, um, they would be planting, oh, rosemary. Rosemary grows down in the Mediterranean region. It's been a herb been used in that area for years. So that would be Rosemaranus officinalis. It's the oh. official rosemary that we use to eat. Same thing with this noble or with the uh, uh, nobilis as a part of the bay. That is the bay, Loris nobilis. And that, we grow it here. There's, I can, we can walk down near my street or near my house and there's a couple growing as street trees. There's a, there's a bunch of potted ones outside the grocery store across the street. Right there. You can take those leaves. They're really dark green. They're, uh, they are lanceolate, but kind of short, mm-hmm. simple leaves. And they're dark green and they have kind of a wavy, undulating uh, margin. This is very important. And if you rip them in half, you pull off one of those leaves, you rip them in half, you smell it, you're like, ooh, that smells like uh, that really like effervescence, like um, bay laurel smell Mm -hmm. that you would love to, when you cook with it, adds the flavor. However, there is a native species here in Southern Oregon and Northern California called the Oregon myrtle, otherwise known as the California bay laurel. Okay. Or the California bay. This tree has leaves that look Almost exactly the same. They are the same kind of uh, long lanceolate leaves, maybe two or three inches long. They are a little bit lighter green, a little bit limier green, and they are, however, perfectly flat. They do not undulate on the side. They're not wavy. Now, if you find one of those and you pop them off and you break them and you smell them, you'll be like, whoa, super, super intense. Really? Kick you in the face with Vicks Vapor Rub covering your foot. Okay. That's well. what it's like. It's really good. I, I think I get, uh, let you smell one one time, and you were like, oh, this is really good. And then like a minute later, you're like, I think I'm getting a headache. And it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was it. Oh, shit. But that was the California Bay. 
Okay. So they're two different species. One is Embellularia californica. The other is Loris nobilis. One is from the coast of Oregon and Washington. I'm sorry, Oregon and California. The other one is from the Mediterranean. We cook with the Mediterranean one, have for many years. The one that we have here, native, you can also cook with. Many people have. That's the myrtle? That's the myrtle, okay. yeah. The Oregon myrtle. But the difference is the Oregon myrtle smells and is so much more intense. Yeah. And it usually, I've been told, I've never cooked with it, it imbibes more of a uh, Vicks Vapor Rubby kind of sweet flavor yeah. rather than the bay laurel that we would get from uh, the grocery store. It has a more kind of um, savory sort of mellow flavor mm-hmm. to it. So I've heard that people use it. Um, however, the bay laurel, the Loris nobilis, that one, you can plant it here, but it will not almost ever reseed and plant itself. Oh, wow. So the one that um, Audrey had found over in southwest Portland surely is Umbellularia californica because that one has these big balls that are fruit. They're probably about the size of a large marble, maybe a medium-sized marble. Um, those get eaten and distributed all over the place, and those grow like crazy. And they have these really nice little long stems with really spread out limish green leaves, mm. and they're just all over the place. You go to Hoyt Arboretum, every. So you think that it was the the Oregon myrtle because it was growing wild along the path? Exactly. Okay. Yes. And you and a, and a, a bay laurel, you might it might have to grow under more like. Uh, curated conditions yeah, you would have to plant it specifically because it's not naturalized here and it doesn't according to my knowledge reseed itself in I gotcha. so if you let one get big it's not going to start growing around everywhere else so what do you say are there commercial bay leaf like farms yes there are there are people that sell them i don't know where i know there are because they're sold like from mccormick and schmidt and you can yeah. get them and all these things so yeah. they certainly are very commercialized yeah they're definitely commercialized i i'm positive of that but the reason why i, I haven't even bought bothered to say yes or no is because I've been told specifically, if you go over to the Mediterranean, they grow the same way that our bay laurel grows over here. They just, they're everywhere. Oh. Like you walk down the street and from this old broken brick wall, it's going to be this bay tree right oh. next to a fig tree. And you're like, oh, I'm just going to go grab a couple bay leaves. That's like, beautiful. Yeah. It's just the same because that's where they grow natively. Same thing with rosemary. Ro- rosemary, yeah. I feel like in Portland too, maybe it is Portland, uh, Mediterranean climate, baby. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, uh. rosemary's everywhere, and I've yeah. I've seen lately huge, huge rosemary bushes. They get massive, and I always stick my face in them, and I rub them in my <laughs> hands, and then I smell my hands <sighs> like this. It's so good. That's exactly right. So I know that there are certainly um, commercial things because they you have to make sure you get the species right. They have to be like the right quality. They have to dry them to a certain extent. Right. And all these things. So there there definitely are commercial orchards that would be growing these things. Um, not to mention, if you're growing a bunch and you, they're the leaves of the tree, so if you just pull off every leaf on every tree, you're going to kill the tree. Mm. So, and they're not just going to go, you know, randomly have uh, something at the production level of a big spicer trying to just go find them in the woods, especially right. somewhere like in Europe or uh, the Mediterranean where, you know, everyone lives everywhere. So you can't just go do that. So I would say probably, Audrey, if you cooked with them just off the tree, mm-hmm. the flavor probably. Well, if it was a myrtle, I don't know. But the, if you picked a, a bay laurel off the tree, yeah. the flavor is probably not as strong as if yeah. you uh, dried it because when it's dehydrated, it, it concentrates the flavor. That's exactly right. Um, I would try it, though, honestly. And, uh, yeah, it let's, might be yeah. A, I'm trying to think. 
well, you I mean you go to Hoyt Arboretum, but don't pick the one at Hoyt Arboretum um, because the they only have one bay laurel there, and you know you want people to be able to yeah, see it. Yeah, it's an arboretum. Wanna, yeah, you don't want to pick all the things off. Um, but if you look up, uh, God, there's I know there's street trees. I'm just trying to rem- remember where they're at. It's one like on Alberta and 15th, I think, hmm. um, somewhere along Alberta between 15th and 14th. There's a couple bay trees that are growing there. Those are the ones that you can pick, you can pull off, you can uh, cook with them. Those are the Mediterranean ones. Okay. You can find the um, the Umbellularia californica all over the place. There's a couple big ones on like uh, Rosa Parks and maybe Greeley-ish somewhere over there hmm. in North Portland. Um, but they're huge. One is a small tree to low shrub, big shrub, small tree. The other one's a massive tree. Wow. And the massive tree ones are native, obviously. Right. And that one, yeah, you can cook with both. My uncle cooked with uh, with them, so he liked it. So I think the flavor is fine. I have not heard that anyone's gotten poisoned, but this podcast does not recommend anything. <laughs> Just says, do your own research and make sure you can identify the difference between the two. Yeah, I, I think if I, I, after smelling that laurel or that uh, mm-hmm. Oregon myrtle, I think if I tried to eat a dish that with that in it, it would like explode my head. I think you're right, yeah, because it's just so intense. Audrey, thank you so much for that question. If you have a question for Casey about trees, email there us you at arbitrarypod at gmail.com and in the subject line go ahead and put tree question follow us on instagram at arbitrarypod a-r-b-o-r-t-r a-r-y pod or you can support the patreon to support the podcast get a couple extra episodes a month and you can join the cone of the month club and receive a unique cone sticker every month casey alex do you think that if you join a um the arboretum that you could just say you're joining the tree because maybe it's just one tree. Oh, here we go. I don't know. I love it. You think? Yeah. Ugh. You're joining the tree. You're joining the tree with all the other the trees. We're going to have to rebrand everything. Oh, I'm so upset right now. We're going to have to rebrand to completely philosophiary. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Completely Arbitrary. We will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening.